0: Philippians 1, verse 23, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart. When he means depart, he's talking about death. Having a desire to die, to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. I think one of the simplest ways to describe heaven is found here in the text in Philippians 1 and verse 23. There are many, of course, majestic descriptions of heaven found right throughout the word of God. There are many passages that immediately spring to mind as we think about our eternal home. The Saviour's words in John 14 come to mind at the funeral service of our dear old friend Miss Winnie Laverty on Monday past, we're reminded of that passage where the saviour said i go to prepare a place for you john 14 and verse 3 and i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there ye may be also what a, a prospect that one day where jesus is that's where we're going to be that's our eternal home now i know john 14 and 3 it does lack specific details sometimes We try to read details into passages that are not there, but there's one dimension of heaven that is there, and that's what we want to underscore for you. The place where he has gone on to prepare is where Christ is, and that's what the promise is given. Where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is to be with Christ. The theme was on the heart of Christ as he left us speaking to the disciples he he taught them john 14 to chapter 16 and then he prayed for them in john 17 and he said father verse 24 i will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where i am there we have that wonderful theme again coming to mind that they would be with me where i am and that was the very summit of Christ's pleadings and prayers for his people he he prayed collectively he prayed literally he prayed eternally that one day they would be with him and that where he was there they would be so this depiction of heaven as literally as eternally going to be with Christ after death it's reiterated right throughout the New Testament scriptures here is not all we have now brethren and sisters if this world is all we have who are of all men most miserable. as what the Bible teaches us. One of the greatest texts that Paul used to describe heaven, I believe, is found in Philippians 1 and 23. He said, I'm I'm caught between two longings, two desires. I'm in a strait betwixt two. I have a desire to depart because he knew where he was going. If you know where you're going, there's no problem departing. He knew where he was going and then he said where he was going was to be with Christ which is far better. Now if that's not a summary of heaven we've lost all concept of what heaven really is. Heaven is to be with Christ and to be with Christ is far better than to be here. That's what he was actually teaching. We, We do not read In the New Testament, when believers die or they're in some sort of limbo place, they're in some sort of place where they're purged from their sins, when believers die, they immediately go to be with Christ. The body is left to be buried to await the glorious resurrection at that last and final trumpet call. But the soul immediately, the spirit of that individual, Goes immediately to be with Christ. Absent. And present. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. Heaven. How can we depict it? Heaven is simply being with Christ. And that's my theme for you this evening. How, what does the word of God teach us actually about being with Christ in heaven and in eternity to come? Well first... Of all, I think the importance of this little phrase is underscored for us because it's Christ who brings us to heaven. It's Christ who brings us to heaven. Remember he prayed, John 17, I will. Always note in the New Testament where Christ says, I will. It was his will that we be with him eternally. And we know that if it is his will, his will will be completed and his work will be done. Helpless sinners such as you and I. We could never reach heaven by our own. We could never get there. Sin bars the entrance. It blocks the passageway. And God's glory would overwhelm these sinful souls of ours. Even if we were able to get in. The reality is that left to ourselves. It's an impossibility for any of us to get to heaven. Isn't that a sobering thought? With all of our background. With all of our culture. With all of our advantages it's an impossibility left to ourselves for any of us to get to heaven and left by ourselves we've been lost for all of God's great eternity but in the fullness of time God sent his son not only just to show us what heaven is like but to be the way to heaven And it's his work alone that can bring us to heaven. What a a glorious truth that is. This is seen in redemption. The Savior came as the great redeemer of lost sinners. And he came to redeem our souls. To buy our souls back from the slave market of sin. And he alone. There is redemption through him and through him alone. Romans 3.24 is a verse that has been in our mind. Over the past few weeks. We're justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's a redeeming grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll get to heaven by the redeeming blood of the Lamb. Nothing else. One of the Puritans when he, he talked about uh, heaven. He said heaven is the fruit of the blood of the Son of God. Yea the chief fruit of it. That's a wonderful uh, explanation. If going to be with Christ as heaven we marvel we marvel that it was the work of Christ that made it possible for us to get there heaven is not only being with him he is the one who will open the way and bring us to heaven what a glorious savior he really is it's not our work we we love that hymn of bonner here Uh, not what these hands can do can save this guilty soul Not what these hands could ever do. Not what these these lips could ever say. Not what this mind could ever think could ever get us to heaven. It is Christ and it's the work of Christ alone. It's not only seen in redemption. It's seen in sanctification. We've been going over those great uh, truths in the catechism over the past weeks. Christ brings the sinner to heaven by making them holy. When he ascended up into heaven... He sent the Holy Spirit. He ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. And he imparts to us more grace every day. To Jesus every day I find my heart is closer drawn. And he conforms us more and more to his image. And every day he's doing something in your life, believer. Every day he's preparing you for heaven and for home and for eternity to come. He's working in us. We're we're a work not finished else we wouldn't be here. That's how we know we're not ready because we wouldn't be here if we were ready. The work is not yet complete. And every day the child of God is being prepared to be with his saviour. We're being washed, we're been purged, we're being prepared, we're being cleansed. We're being made ready for that day when we're ushered into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I think also, again, we're tying in with the catechism uh, this evening, it's seen in the work of Christ's preservation. He's keeping us. as a blessed truth. Sometimes we battle, uh, we, we do, we battle on the way to heaven. And maybe you're a battling Christian tonight, not with some other brother or sister, but you're just battling on the road of difficulty and going up the hill of difficulty this evening. Well, let me just assure you, you're being kept, you're being preserved. You're being watched over. He helps us, Hebrews 2, 17, 18, in our times of temptation and trial. And if you haven't met the trial, I don't think you know the Savior. Because he's the one that keeps us in the trial. He keeps us when we can't keep ourselves. We're kept by the power of God. First Peter 1 and verse 5, we're garrisoned around it's as if the Lord has built a great fortress round about us. And the devil tries to get into us and, and batter it down. But he is built around us. He is, our, he is our protection. And he prays for us. He prayed for Peter. Remember he told Peter, I prayed for thee. If I was to tell you tonight going out, I'll pray for you this week. I, I think everyone would say thank you very much. But I can tell you Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you as a Christian. That you'll persevere. That you'll make it to glory. And he holds on when we would let go. He holds on when we would let go. I always take people back to that incident in the Gospels where Peter gets out of the boat in the middle of the storm and he goes to be with the Lord Jesus Christ and he's, he's walking on the water to Christ and he defies gravity. and It's a miracle that he's upright and, he, and he's walking to the Saviour. Miracles happen when you keep your eye on the Saviour. I hope you know that and i hope you believe that miracles happen when you keep your eye on the lord jesus christ but just for a moment he took his eye off christ and he eyed the storm and he started to sink and he cried out just those simple plaintive words lord save me and that mighty hand of divine omnipotence was stretched out and it took a hold of peter and it grabbed peter in the middle of the storm And it took Peter right back to the boat safely to the other disciples. It wasn't the hand of Peter that held on to Jesus, was it? It was the hand of Jesus that held on to Peter. We're kept. We'll we'll get to heaven. Those that are saved here tonight, you're going to get to heaven by the grace of God. And I am assured, uh, despite all my own fears and Despite all my own uh, forebodings and uh, times of unbelief, I'll get there. Not because I'm anything, but because he's holding on to me. It is not only Christ who gets us to heaven. Secondly, it's Christ who's the center of heaven. The book of Revelation takes away the veil in many ways and reveals to us what the eternal state is going to be like and what prospects opened up for us in that wonderful book. Now remember just the simple thing, what is heaven to be with Christ? So we see in the book of Revelation that the very center of heaven is Christ. Uh, Heaven is all about Christ and heaven is all about the service of Christ and the worship of Christ. We read in chapter 5 verse 6, I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the world and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. What do they sing about up in heaven? The Lamb. They're singing the worship of the Lamb. They're not singing about their own experience, they're singing about the Lamb. I despair sometimes when I, when I hear some modern so called Christian songs. It's all about subjective feelings and, and what they think, what they're doing, but they're not, to, they're not singing that in heaven. They're singing about the Lamb in heaven. They're glorifying his work. They're magnifying his grace wrought out in the hearts of poor sinners such as you and I. It's beyond our comprehension the thousands and tens of thousands that are round about the throne. It's an incalculable number. We thought just a few weeks ago about the church family, the church that is named on earth and in heaven. And that church that's named in heaven includes all of those innumerable angels. Can we imagine it? And they all praise the Lamb of God. What a theme for any service. That's why I think it's important, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, we we include hymns that specifically mention and directly sing about the saving, redeeming work of the Lamb, about the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we uplift and we acknowledge that work that he has wrought out for us. If Christ and his redeeming work are not the center of your heart tonight and not the center of your life tonight, then how can they be part of your song in heaven? There are many people in the say, they are going to sing the new song in heaven, but they have never learned to sing it here below. If you haven't sung it here below, how are you going to sing it in the mansions of glory that are yet to be? In heaven, Christ is not only the center, but in heaven we're going to see him as we've never saw him before. The prophet Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 33, 17, Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. What a depiction. Heaven, to be with Christ, but in, in heaven I'm going to see him in his beauty. Here I see through the glass darkly. Here my, my, my image of him, my picture of him in glory is blurred. But in that land that is very far off, Isaiah says, 33 and 17, I will see the king in his beauty. That's heaven. Our loved ones who have gone on before us, they're just a few steps ahead of us. Even if your loved ones have died years ago, let me say they're just a few steps ahead of you. If a day... It's like a thousand years with the Lord. A few years is just like a few steps. But they have seen the king in all his beauty. Paul contemplated that in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. And he said face to face. What an absolute prospect that is. Face to face. John contemplated it in 1 John 3 and 2. He said we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. Again in the closing part of Revelation 22 and 4 he said they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. We're going to see him brethren and sisters. We're going to look on that wonderful face that smiled upon us in grace on the journey of earth below and brought us to a knowledge of Christ and we're going to see that face and we're going to sing that story saved by grace what a glorious sight that is going to be thirdly barring uh, the second advent it's death that's going to bring us to heaven the late Jim McNew, used to say to me when we went in to visit him that he hoped he would be the last generation. He was longing that he would be part of that generation that would be translated to heaven when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for the second time. But whether we be the last generation or whether we enter in through the valley of the shadow of death, we're going into heaven to be with him. We find words of comfort in First Thessalonians four, thirteen to seventeen. These young converts in the Church of Thessalonica they, they had been misled uh, and they were concerned lest their loved ones who had died would miss the blessing of the second coming. And sometimes Christians talk like that nowadays. Do you think a Christian who is alive at the second coming will be less blessed than a Christian? who is called to heaven through death. That's not what the Bible teaches, one little bit. They were comforted in knowing that those who would be raised uh, in the resurrection at the last day would be caught up with Christ and so forever be with the Lord. Uh, And their eternal state is summed up in those few words, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Again, that little phrase, heaven, heaven is being with Christ It's to be with the Lord forever. Death for the Christian can be frightening. In our weakness we feel our own apprehension. Will will we reach the other side? How will we fare when we come to the crossing of Jordan as we thought about just a few weeks ago? But let's reassure our hearts tonight that even though death is a dark valley and it is dark and it's lonesome it's just but an entrance into heaven and to be with the Lord forevermore. I would encourage you to read uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I'll even give you a copy if you promise me you'll read it. And John Bunyan depicted how Christian and Hopeful reached the the river before the crossing into Emmanuel's land and he tells us they addressed themselves to the water and entering Christian began to sink and crying out to his good friend Hopeful he said I sink in deep waters the billows go over my head all the waves go over me then said the other be of good cheer my brother I feel the bottom and it is good Then said Christian, ah, my friend, the sorrows of death encompass me about. I shall not see that land that flows with milk and honey. And with that, a great darkness and horror fell on Christian so that he could not see before him. I've been with Christians when they've come to those final moments and, and some of them, it hasn't been all light. There has been great storms within their soul and within their mind. And this was Christian as he came to the crossing and Bunyan tells us here in a great measure he lost his senses so that he could neither remember nor orderly talk of any of those sweet refreshments that he and hopeful had met within his way of pilgrimage. But all the words that he spoke still tended to discover that he had horror of mind and heart fears that he should die in that river and never obtain entrance in at the gate. Here also as they stood by they perceived that he was much in troublesome thoughts of the sins that he had committed both since and before he began to be a pilgrim. And it was also observed that he was troubled with apparitions of hobgoblins and evil spirits for ever and anon he would intimate so much by words. Hopeful, therefore, Had much ado to keep his brother's head above the water. You know, when when you go to visit someone when they die, I think that's what my job is, to keep their head above the water. How? Just simply by reminding them of the Word of God, the immutable promises of God's holy Word. Bunyan depicted, yes, sometimes he would quite be gone down, and and then, ere a while, he would rise up again, uh, half dead. Hopeful also did endeavor to comfort him, saying, Brother, I see the gate and the men standing by to receive us. But Christian would answer, It's you. It's you they wait for. Then said, Hopeful, my brother, you have quite forgot the text where it is said of the wicked. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not troubled as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Christians can't be troubled when they come to die. It's an amazing, sobering truth. And yet the ungodly have no troubles. Why? Because they're totally insensitive to their spiritual state and their spiritual need. They're they're going out into eternity in a stupor. These troubles and distresses that you go through, a hopeful said to him in these waters, are no sign that God has forsaken you, but are sent to try you. And then Bunyan says, I saw in my dream that Christian was in a muse a while meditating a while to whom also hopeful added these words be of good cheer Jesus Christ maketh thee whole and with that Christian break out with a loud voice oh I see him and he tells me Isaiah 43 and 2 when thou passest through the waters I will be with thee and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee then they both took courage And the enemy was after that as still as a stone until they were gone over. Will we face all of those battles when we come to die? I think some of us probably will. But I want you to be encouraged that when you pass through the waters, God says, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, death, itself shall not overflow thee you'll get through and you'll get through to the other side and they will be waiting to show you the way in when you get to the other side heaven being with Christ and we'll be there we will be there despite all of the opposition even in the final moments of the journey (laughs) Finally, let me say to you this evening, it is possible to experience something of heaven whilst we're still on earth. If heaven means being with Christ eternally, then we can know something of his presence presence with us here and now, presently. As Christians, we have opportunity daily to be with Christ, to walk with him, to, to witness for him, to work for him. And as we commune with him around the word and at the throne of grace, we can say with that lovely old hymn, he walks with me and he talks with me a long life's narrow way. We can experience a little bit of heaven where we are. The mission I was saved in, uh, and I met the evangelist at at, uh, dear Winnie's funeral on, on Monday past it's over forty years from I saw that man. And I had a lovely chat with him and used to sing this hymn at the mission. What matters where? On earth we dwell, on mountain top or in the dale, in cottage or in mansion fair, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. Oh hallelujah! Yes, tis heaven, tis heaven to know my sins forgiven, on land or sea. What matters where? Where Jesus is, it is heaven there. If you know your sin's forgiven, you've already tasted heaven tonight. You don't have to wait to death to at least experience and measure what it is to be with Christ. Old Mr. Spurgeon put it like this, If we do not get to heaven before we die, we'll never get there afterwards. If you don't get to heaven before you die, if you don't get to Christ before you die, You'll never get there afterwards. And I want you to get that tonight. And I want you to understand that tonight. If you don't get to Christ before you die. If you don't experience heaven before you die. You'll never enjoy heaven after you die. It's an impossibility. Matthew Henry put it very quaintly. Simply as he normally does. He said grace is glory begun. Grace is glory begun. And I know glory has started in the souls of many in the meeting tonight, but I I know there are others and you're still graceless. And that great work has not begun within your soul, but it can start this evening. And if you have saving grace in your heart, then glory's already begun in your soul and heaven, you're in heaven before you're literally there. You're in heaven before you're literally there. God has brought you tonight to the gate of heaven. And what I mean by that is Christ is the door. He said in those wonderful verses in John's gospel chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way. You're at the very door of heaven because Christ is in the gathering. And the invitation is to enter in. He didn't bring you to the door and say go away. He says come unto me. And the enablement of the Holy Spirit is here to help you get in. You'll never get in on your own, but the Spirit of God is present with us and he grants the enablement to believe and to receive and to enter in. And I would say to you tonight before we close, before you leave this meeting, don't leave the door of heaven and walk on in the road to hell you're journeying on. call upon him. He's that close. you just have to call upon him. And don't miss the blessing of enjoying heaven as you journey and entering into the experience of heaven when the journey's over. Heaven, just simply being with Christ.